0: Well, welcome to developers eating the world. Before I start with this episode wanted to do a brief uh, intro update. So two days ago, I got a LinkedIn message I get a lot of LinkedIn messages but this one was actually interesting uh, and wasn't just some recruiter asking me if I want to be a Java developer Uh, was from a listener. And this particular person I've known for a while uh, uh, in the web spheres, but I was very excited to hear from him and just get some feedback because I tried the feedback form and that didn't go so well. A lot of times it feels like you're throwing content out in the abyss, but I know you're out there. So if you wanna reach out to me, please do. Um, The QR code, if you're watching this on YouTube behind me will get you to all my socials. And I love just having conversations, even if you wanna reach out to me and just tell me that it sucks, that's fine too. Cause at least I I have something to build on. But as always, I'm doing this because I have fun doing this. And my next guest is super fun. Because I found her because she rudely interrupted me during my session at Hashi Talks. <laughs> wasn't that rude? Actually, it was a really good test of thinking on your feet. But it, it was it was nothing. She, she took over my screen when I wasn't ready for her to take over the screen. But look, Grace, I got my cup, my speaker cup. I even did a fancy pour over coffee for you. So Grace, welcome to Developers Eating the World and please introduce yourself.
1: Hi, Chris. Sorry again for interrupting you there. Um, Not to make you jealous, but I think uh, HashiCorp sent me two mugs as a mistake. So (laughs) Um, I'm Grace. I'm a second year computer engineering student at the University of Waterloo. I'm very new to the world of DevOps, I started my first internship um, as a network engineer intern in September 2020, so not that long ago, I'm new to everything tech-related, and I'm excited to learn a lot.
0: That's awesome. So a lot of the regular listeners know that I I have a lot of guests that have come from my coding camps and just starting their careers. And... There's two reasons for that. One of them is that the path of getting into tech, I think has changed. It's become a lot more accessible, a lot less theoretical, which is exciting to me because I think when I was in computer science, I didn't get what I needed from a tactical standpoint to be an engineer. I was great at talking about it and conceptualizing, but not great at being an engineer. But the other part, is just the, um, the amount of things, like how fast it's changing. How do you keep up with this stuff? So first, why don't you tell me like, what, what was the driving factor for getting into tech?
1: So I was an avid debater in high school. I do a lot of parliamentary debate, I coach debate. And so I like um, the fact that debate drives policy and conversation and change. But I took a university course in high school about uh, in political science. And I realized it's gonna take a very, very, very long time for me to actually make the change I wanna see in the world. And I was doing a coding course at the time and I really liked it. I could make mobile apps and I can go to hackathons. So I was like, okay, this is a lot easier and it's a lot more approachable. So I decided to go into computer engineering And at the University of Waterloo, because they have such a good co-op program that will allow me to play with stuff.
0: In people I've talked to, I've seen a lot of people come from education. The poli-sci aspect, the only other person I know is my close friend, Pat. He is now big in uh, security, like application security and so forth. Um, So I find that really interesting. Also, the accessibility part of it. It sounds like a little bit of it was that tech seems to make everything more accessible. And by virtue of making things more accessible, there's more conversations to be had and and things move faster. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: (laughs) So tell me a little bit about um, first your talk and then uh, the Waterloo program.
1: Yeah, so I met Chris when I did the Hashi talk and it was my first ever quote unquote conference talk. Um so Hashi Corp had a hackathon. Um so you can you can make anything Christmas related as long as you use their product. So I make this silly kind of web app where I just kind of compile all the tweets with pets and in their Christmassy outfits and I make a talk about it, you know, how how I did this really beginner. Um, project, and I tell people, like, it, it's sort of beginner-oriented. How do you approach a project as a beginner? How do you approach a new technology and in infrastructure as a beginner? Um, so that was fine. It opened a lot of doors, and it's extremely thrilling. The co-op program at the University of Waterloo is very interesting, to say the least. So for engineering, in order to graduate, you need to have, I think, four out of six internships. Uh, done so I have to find an uh, internship or a co-op every term so when I'm working I'm looking for the next internship when I'm not working I'm looking for the next internship so it's rough do you want to add anything there Chris?
0: Holy cow no I'm just shocked that's crazy six internships I get the yeah that's that's a lot of grit
1: yeah, I think University of Waterloo is one of the biggest Canadian theater in the Silicon Valley. But um, we have a system called Waterloo Works and it has different cycles. So if you don't get an internship in the first cycle, you get go into the next cycle. So I think in the past two months, I've had 10 interviews with so many companies. Some of them are multiple rounds. And it's, it's a lot of networking. Um, I think the most interesting part is so you apply to 50 application, 50 jobs on the first round, right? And then companies choose you for interviews. And after you do the interviews, companies rank you and you rank them back. So there's sort of like this Tinder match where you try and like game at it. So you see, so if you get a one that the company wants you, otherwise you get a ranked. So you don't know if you're, second or your 11th on your list, and then you get no rent, which means no offer. So it's very interesting um, as a math- mathematical challenge. You have to look at the algorithm, be like, okay, like, did they rank me high? I've actually had people that message everyone that got interviews, be like, are you, did you get an offer and are you taking this position? Because this will help me in my ranking decisions. And you have 24 hours to do your rankings once you receive it. Sort of kind of like um, <laughs> very, very intense on top of academic studies.
0: Yeah, what I've always, again, what I really appreciate about the path a lot of people are taking into tech is it's very focused on the tactics. It's very like hit the ground running and do the thing versus like talking about the c- conceptual. I do think that we're going to have a glut at some point in time where people are like, for example, may not understand what binary is and may not understand some of the foundations of computing, which scares me a little bit, I'll be honest about that. But the vocational focus of tech education right now is way better than, than it used to be, or, or at least was for me. Well, first of all, I wanna say congratulations The, you know, Hashi is one of the darlings in the DevOps space as it goes for companies in the space. So to be able to speak at one of those conferences is an accomplishment. And to be able to interrupt somebody such as myself (laughs) is, is, is a true compliment. So before I hit the record button. Um, There was something that you said that was really refreshing. I asked you how you were, which is one of like, I hate when people ask me that question, because I could never be straight up and say, like, things are great, because things are never always great. There's always, you know, stuff going on. But your response was, I just finished a complex integral right you were you're are you doing your math homework right now
1: i have to correct you there chris i did not finish the integral i have to post on the forum called piazza which is like a QA for all the courses and i was like i've spent the last 2 hours trying to solve this integral like please send help how do i start <laughs> so it's it's difficult to do academic work um, online um it's more difficult yeah. to connect with your peers and it's between, yeah. you know, how do you reach out to people?
0: Yeah, I I understand that. So let's let's dig a little bit into the tech. So I, I I don't want you to to dwell on that. That's, we'll put that aside for <laughs> so now. You can go back to it later. What technologies are you gravitating towards? So what stacks, what you know, programming languages, and DevOps a lot of times when people learn how to build applications, they don't learn anything about DevOps, which is largely like the business of building applications. You know, what What are you working on there and what is your interest there?
1: Yeah, so on a broader standpoint, I'm still discovering what I like in tech. I but I've worked at uh, mobile developers at hackathons. I've, tried, I've been trying to go into CTFs and you know, test my hands at security and learn more about security stuff. But my entry point to DevOps is um, I had a small internship at the University of Alberta where I worked in their networking lab. And then that led me to the position at Ericsson where I was doing DevOps and building a pipeline. So I think a lot of that was just luck that I landed this position that allows me so much autonomy to learn all about Kubernetes and Helm and Docker. I don't think everybody has the opportunities. I think it's a little bit challenging to learn infrastructure with side projects. That's how most of my friends learn technology that we obviously don't learn any of the tech stack in school. So I think a lot of it for me was, you know, being privileged to have this internship. And then that was the entry point to me to um, so enter QCon. And then I learned that that opened up a whole world about the community and the technology and, you know, the CNCF foundation.
0: So you were a 2020 CNCF scholar, right? What is that?
1: Yeah, so QCon um, actually have uh, scholarship for people who either cannot afford to go to kubecon or for other reasons um, is not able to enter kubecon so i applied, and i was lucky enough to uh, offer a scholarship to be at kubecon um which i've you know not otherwise had the chance to and there i had the ability to just randomly talk to so many folks so i didn't have a lot of expectation going into an online conference on slack and kubecon was just huge you know it had like hundreds of channels, so it was a little bit intimidating, but I actually got, you know, a couple one-on-one connection and then I got on Twitter and started tweeting at people that I like or talk. And I think that was a good entry point to learning more and connecting with people when everything is virtual.
0: I can't wait until the point that KubeCon is is always pretty intense, uh, even in person, but it's a, it's a completely different thing. Um, not just the swag a lot of great swag but, <laughs> but the other thing that's really crazy about KubeCon is that the the landscape of the tooling that is there changes so quickly like it is just uh, amazing um it, do you have a favorite cncf project
1: i don't i don't even know them all like i think i'm just genuinely excited to be exploring them it's hard to pick a favorite
0: And, you know, what the rigor that the contributors on these projects go and the governance standards, I think is one of the things that when I talk to companies matter a lot um, in terms of like gauging longevity and reliability of open source projects. Um, The one that I've been really big on is open telemetry, um, but there is just a ton. Like you did a crash. So did you know about Hashi's products prior to the talk or was the hackathon the first introduction?
1: I didn't know the first thing about Hashi product before. So I've heard um, a lot about Terraform and May and all that thrown around. I've watched a couple of YouTube videos where they were like, oh, this is the provisioning tool. But I had about zero idea what that means, right? So I think the hackathon was a good entry point for me to actually get started on stuff and not just be intimidated by all the big words.
0: Yeah. And so what I'm curious about, cause that's very crash course. And I think that is like the foundation of a good techie. They, they just do, you just do, you dive in and do. What was your journey to that? How did, how did you go from, there's a saying terraform. There's this, there's this hackathon. I want to do something now what?
1: To begin with, I love hackathons with all my heart. Like I've been to so many hackathons where we just pull all nighters and we win so many stuff. So I just see a hackathons and I immediately consider like, do I have the availability for this? And the answer was yes. So I do it. And I knew I needed to use something HashiCorp related. Everything else was too scary. I heard about Terraform a lot. So the, the starting point is like just search up. Like, okay, like I have Azure student credit. How do I start? How do I make um, a SQL server?
0: Dad, did you go to the documentation? Because that's one thing that Hashi is particularly good at. This is almost sounding like a Hashi.
1: It's not a Hashi <laughs>
0: episode. I don't have sponsors. So don't, don't you dare come to me and tell me that this is, do you have the coffee cup? They're particularly good at the documentation did you was that kind of or did you go to tutorials how did how did you educate yourself
1: um i think it was a combination of both definitely i got started with um the documentation because it's very general and it just sort of like fill in the blank but as i developed more question i think youtube was the place for me to go and i think in the future i'm working on you know how do i identify Um, a valid question to put on GitHub issues. Um, How do I uh, phrase things to put on the HashiCorp forums is my going point next.
0: Yeah, and one of the easiest ways to become a contributor of any open source project is to support the documentation. It's kind of like uh, an easy path in, so so that's clever. Well, I'm impressed. What else do you have going on? Anything else that you wanted to talk about? Hopefully that's it, because already <laughs> you're you're making my uh, introduction into tech look pretty awful.
1: Um, I mean, I've listened to one of your episodes before, and it was sort of um, like you asking questions. So how about I take a turn and ask you a question? Oh,
0: <laughs> that would be a first. I don't know. Okay,
1: so. What was it like for you when you were nineteen and entering the tech? Like, what was the biggest difference? Uh, what, what, what's the biggest disadvantage at that point? And what do you like? What do you see that you didn't have? And what do you see um, as a disadvantage to the current generation of um, developers?
0: I think the reason I don't let people ask questions is I don't <laughs> want to talk about myself. But I'll answer it. So um, when I was 19, I actually owned a managed service provider, IT consulting firm, very early days of IT consulting and things were very, you know, most of the work was like, hey, my mouse doesn't work. I had a client who put a coffee cup on their CD tray, something like that, Like, it, it, like really weird stuff. Troubleshooting dial, um, DSL, cool. God, troubleshooting DSL—that was awful. The good news about this practice is it paid my way through college. I got my computer science degree, and it was great. I I still credit my computer science degree for doing, um, getting involved in some really interesting things. So. It wasn't referred to as machine learning at the time, but it was essentially machine learning, genetic algorithms and neural nets and, and so forth. And I got super passionate about it. Problem is it was very theoretical, hypothetical. So big focus on data structures, very little focus on implementation. So when I left college, I, I sold my business and I went and joined a software company to develop OCR engines. And OCR is a very interesting neural net driven um, technology or part of it is. And so that was really fascinating to me. I was frustrated with velocity. I was frustrated with project management. I was frustrated with all the things that had to do with like building an application and working with the team. Granted at that time, I was not a team player. I think I'm an amazing team player now, but at that time I was not, I was a Lone Ranger. I wanted to do my thing and do it my way. I realized that I really like to talk about technology and and describe it. So I slowly moved out of being a developer into product management and then into advocacy. And a lot of times I really, and I I jump in and out of code today. I miss it though. I, I really miss the the execution and in, in be, being able to build things and see see it out in the wild. Um, so that was my path. It's not particularly interesting. I just say that what you're doing, focusing on execution is, is like, would be my first advice to anybody. Even if your school is, is really theoretical in data structures and so forth, like work on the implementation side of it because until you do that, like, until you touch the thing, you don't really know how it works.
1: Mm-hmm. So what is the diff- biggest difference between, you know, developers back in your day and developers today, like, yeah. um, t- technologies aside, like, do you think there's a different approach to solving problems?
0: It's completely different. Yeah. So days of waterfall thankfully, waterfall development, Mm -hmm. monolithic development, thankfully, are gone. Now, the new thing when I was a developer was something called SOAP, service-oriented application. I don't know. So it was a design pattern. SOAP was a design pattern, which reflected microservices to some extent, but it was still monolithic. So even if you were developing services within an application, you had to wait for everybody to be done before you packaged and deliver it. So it had the right mentality, but the the wrong approach. The other thing is that user experience was less of a priority. So in modern applications, it starts from user experience, or hopefully it starts from the user experience. Like What is the customer getting and what is their experience when they use the application? Whereas then it was like, Here's the functionality. I don't really care if you like it or not as a user, just use it. Like even if it's complicated, you have no choice. Use the thing. So I think that that radically changes a lot of things. You, you have a lot more people focused on front end these days than you ever have before. You have a lot of peop- more po- people focusing on UI UX than you ever had before. The way releases were managed, you didn't, it wasn't as iterative. The failures in application quality then were far more dramatic than they are now because you can fail fast and you can fail small, really. Like your failures are like have smaller impact than if you deploy a whole binary and there's something seriously wrong with that binary, it's really hard to fix that for your customers. So I think that that's the radical change. And that's why I fell in love with DevOps before DevOps, it was application release automation or application release management. Um, DevOps is not particularly a new idea, but it is a better actualization of the old ideas. If that makes sense.
1: For sure. That's very interesting because for someone who's just jotting like myself, like Kubernetes and everything on cloud is just kind of a de facto, you know, I don't imagine a world or I don't put my perspective into, you know, developing for servers or waterfall or anything of the sort. Like it's very interesting to have um, perspective and see how far the tech industry has come.
0: And that's why I like to say that DevOps largely is boring these days. We're actually just focusing on execution. That's all we're focusing on. Nine years ago, it was a lot of argument and debate, which you would have liked the debate side of it. So I'm sorry you missed that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you're asking me questions, but never do it again. <laughs> no, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna be like uh, all future guests. You are not allowed to ask me questions. No, it's it, it's fun, and I I think it's a really good perspective, and that's part of why I do these podcasts. Is it allows me to live vicariously through you (laughs) and other techies to to keep current. Because I think it's important, especially in tech. And this is why I said earlier, things are moving so quickly. How is it possible to get trained on anything? Mm -hmm. Well, you kind of have to understand how to learn, not just the technology. You have to understand how to learn technology, not just a specific stack because previously you could learn a stack and that could be your entire career. But those people are also the ones that are kind of stuck right now.
1: Yeah, I think that's why I love hackathons so much. You just go in 36 hours and you come out always learning something new.
0: Yeah, I agree. And yeah, the the nature of hackathons is super fun. It reminds me of, it's not the same thing, but Mm -hmm. have you ever heard of a lamb party?
1: Mm,
0: no okay. so lamb parties are when <laughs> am i really that old um land parties are basically like you get folding tables in a room you all come with your laptop some people would actually bring their entire rig you set up you plug into a router and you spend three days without sunlight drinking coffee and playing games that was a LAN party it was before you really had like Cloud connectivity. Uh, it's kind of useless now, LAMP parties. I guess the entire world is one big LAMP party, but it was awesome. I used to pay, play Age of Mythology for hours and it was amazing.
1: That sounds like a real boomer situation there, Chris.
0: Boomer? <laughs> Did you call me a boomer? No, I am not. How dare you? I will go on the record and say I am not a boomer. I'm actually a millennial. Is my hair really that gray? I'm a millennial by one year. I'm oh, not a Gen X. So I was close. No, boomer, X, millennial.
1: Oh, you, okay. You so skipped I a it.
0: whole generation. <laughs> no. To
1: push you in the back there. No.
0: No. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining. Is there any advice, anything interesting, any place you want people to check out and learn more before I let you go?
1: I am not qualified to give any advice whatsoever being a 19-year-old myself. Um, I just want to do a plug. I am looking for security and DevOps opportunity for winter 2022. So um, if you're listening to this, I'd be happy to connect to everyone on LinkedIn.